very midst, the heart of this Christmas season, to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1 and verses 18 through 25. Matthew, chapter 1 and verses 18 through 25. In our ongoing series on what it means to be a disciple, we, this Christmas season, are looking for specific are looking at, excuse me, specific examples of disciples of Jesus. In other words, rather than just asking the question, what is a disciple? What is a follower of Christ? We are looking at living examples. And the example that we are looking at this morning is Joseph. Joseph, the husband of Mary, the earthly, the earthly father of Jesus. And our big thought today, our main idea for this message is disciples trust God even when they don't understand, even when things don't make sense. And in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25, a passage that's often read this Christmas season, we read, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, our first point this morning is believing isn't always easy. As children of God, we are asked to trust him and believe him, even when we don't understand his ways, even when his ways don't make sense to us. There are two verses in the Old Testament that every Christian needs to have ingrained in his or her mind, and that is Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 8 and 9. You know them well, or many of you know them well, but we need to hear them again and again. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways, God's thoughts are higher, much higher than our ways and our thoughts. And so we will not always understand what he is doing. We will not always, or things will not always make sense to us. Let us never, ever forget he is infinite and we are finite. 
And I say that because Christians, yes, Christians often, often go through times of suffering and hardship and trials. Christians get illnesses and diseases, and sometimes they die from those illnesses and diseases. Sometimes Christians get sick when they're young, and sometimes they die when they're young. Sometimes Christians lose their jobs. Sometimes Christians are treated unjustly and unfairly. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world right now who are enduring persecution. Sometimes Christians die in hurricanes and tornadoes. Sometimes Christians are the victims in a mass shooting. The Bible is filled with people who did not understand what God was doing in their life and yet they trusted him and they believed him. That in many ways is one of the great sub-themes of the Bible after salvation. We think of Noah asked to build this great boat, this great ark. He'd never seen rain before. We think of Abraham who was asked to pick up his entire family and move them to a land he'd never been to before and he was asked to start his life all over again. We think of Joseph in the Old Testament who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery by his brothers. He was unfairly, unjustly, falsely accused. He was put in prison unjustly and falsely. And through it all, he trusted the Lord. We think of Moses, who spent 40 years in the desert, didn't know what God was doing with his life, didn't know what God had for him in the future. He just walked with God for 40 years. We think of Job. Job lost everything. He lost all of his possessions and all of his children were killed in tragedies. And yet Job cries out, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah was called to preach to a people, to faithfully preach to a people who for his entire ministry rejected him and his message. All of the apostles except one of them were martyred for their faith. The one who wasn't martyred was the apostle John who was exiled and banished to the island of Patmos. We think of the apostle Paul faithful to Christ after his conversion, and yet much of, in much of his ministry, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was once left for dead. And what is his reward at the end of his earthly life? He is beheaded. That is how he dies. Yes, we are called to trust God as Christians, even when we don't understand, even when things don't make sense to us. We often forget the hard and difficult circumstances that surrounded the birth of Christ. We kind of have this sanitized understanding 
of the nativity scene, of the manger. We kind of see it in these glowing, wonderful kind of storybook terms, and I understand that. But we must not forget the circumstances surrounding his birth, the times at that particular juncture in history were hard times. They were difficult times. Those who were used by God were asked to exercise faith in the midst of their own confusion and questions. Nothing like the birth of Christ, obviously. Nothing like this had ever happened before or would ever happen again. These men and women were asked to be the main characters in a divine drama that would change the world forever. Joseph finds out that the woman he is engaged to with whom he has never had relations is pregnant. In verse 18 we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother... Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Now stop right there. It then says from the Holy Spirit, but Joseph did not know that at this point. He just knew that the woman to whom he was betrothed is pregnant. Now this would be devastating news for any men. Guys, Imagine that you are engaged to someone and you find out during your engagement that she is pregnant and you know that you've never had relations with her. But this must have been shocking beyond description for Joseph because Mary was a young, God-fearing Jewish girl, the last person in the world you would expect to be pregnant outside of marriage. I think it is hard for us in our particular time in history, it is hard for us to even imagine the kind of emotional turmoil that Joseph must have endured. The Bible says that Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, pledged to be married to him. Now this has no modern-day corollary. We talk about engagement, and it was a type of engagement. But it went far beyond the kinds of engagement that we have in our own day and age. Such a pledge was a very serious legal commitment. It was the betrothal, the engagement at this time was legally binding and could only be broken by divorce. That is how serious this was. If you were to be betrothed to someone and you made that commitment even before the marriage ceremony, the only way that could be, be broken was by divorce. In essence, under the law of Moses and in the eyes of your community, if you were betrothed, you were already married. The only thing left was the marriage ceremony and the coming together of the couple in sexual relations. Well, when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, he is left with a terrible dilemma. According to Deuteronomy chapter 22, in the law of Moses, the penalty for unfaithfulness during the betrothal was death. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 24, if a man found out something indecent about his wife after they were married, 
he could write her a certificate of divorce and send her away, whether she agreed to it or not. Well, at this point in Jewish history, in their understanding of the law, there were three options available to Joseph. Number one, he could demand that the letter of the law be carried out and that Mary be stoned. Now, in the first century, when we come to the first century at this particular time, this was rarely carried out. Stoning was rarely carried out. However, a man could demand of the Jewish ruling council that they carry out the law to the very letter. Second option that he had, he could pursue a public divorce, intentionally exposing Mary to shame and disgrace. This one was often chosen by men to save their own reputation. And third, there was a third option, and that is that he could divorce her quietly without a public legal procedure. That is very important for us to understand if we are to understand this text and this context. Because Joseph chooses the third option. The Bible says, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a righteous man. Everything we read about him and know about him he was a righteous and holy man of God. And that's why this situation was so difficult for him. He wants to obey God. And we need to understand that this morning. He loves God with all of his heart. And he is an upstanding Hebrew man. And obeying the law was everything to him. But he also wants to show compassion to Mary, even though he is deeply hurt by this news. And so he reluctantly chooses the option that seems the most respectful. Well, that brings us to our second point. Our first point is believing isn't always easy. Our second point is believing when we don't understand. Believing when we don't understand. Joseph, a righteous man, is confronted with the truth about Mary's pregnancy. An angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. In verses 20 and 21 we read, But as he considered these things, as he considered divorcing her quietly, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and spoke to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He is told in a dream by an angel, do not fear, Joseph. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. He is told that the baby in Mary's womb is from the Holy Spirit. Now that's a little overwhelming. 
that by the overshadowing work of the Holy Spirit, Joseph, your wife, your betrothed one, is with child. He is told that Mary will give birth to a son. He is told that the child's name is to be Jesus. He isn't given an option on what to name him. He is to name him Jesus. And he is told that this son, this son will save Israel from their sins. Here is a mortal man being told, in essence, that his wife, his betrothed one, is bearing the Messiah. After thousands of years of prophecies, Joseph, no different than any of us here this morning, is asked to believe that Mary is pregnant by the work of the Holy Spirit and she is bearing the Son of God. And as, and as if this isn't enough, Matthew, the author of this gospel, gives us, in essence, a postscript. In verses 22 and 23, we read, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7. This prophecy had been given 730 years earlier. 730 years have gone by. And now an angel comes to Joseph and says, You're it, buddy. It's time. History is coming to this grand fulfillment, this grand stage, and you are an essential part of it. Well, at this point in the story, we often forget that Joseph's response was not a foregone conclusion. We will never understand this passage until we understand that Joseph had a choice. He was a human being given a choice by God. Would he believe? Would he believe what the angel told him? Would he obey what the angel, excuse me, would he obey the angel when the dream was over? This one night, this one night would change Joseph's life forever. Please understand this morning, Joseph could have awakened and decided to follow through with his plans to quietly divorce Mary. You know, we often talk about the shame and rumors that Mary endured, and she did. Being pregnant before she had ever had relations with her husband, before the betrothal. But we forget about Joseph. Joseph also had to endure the rumors. Did you hear that Joseph got Mary pregnant before they ever came together or before the wedding ceremony? Do you know that Joseph and Mary had a baby out of wedlock? Did you know that? 
And we think that's something now. This was a very strict, very conservative religious culture. It's hard for us to imagine the decision that Joseph had to make. He could have gone either way. But Joseph chooses to believe God, to obey God, and to place his entire future in the hands of God. And the key word in that sentence is God. He believes God. He trusts in God. He obeys God. He places his future in the hands of God, even when he didn't understand, even when it didn't make sense to him. Joseph walked right into the middle of the supernatural. In verses 24 and 25, we read, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and, and he called his name Jesus, just as he had been commanded. Also important to this text is this. We need to understand that there were many things that Joseph did not understand. He did not obey because it all made sense to him. He obeyed because he trusted God. I don't want you to think that the angel comes to him in the dream and then he says, oh, now it all makes sense to me. I get it. I get it. My wife's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she is bearing the Messiah. No, no. He was confused. This was beyond his understanding. His human mind wrestled and grappled and struggled, but in the midst of all of it, he obeys. And he continues to love God with all of his heart. There are two more verses in the Old Testament besides Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 that we need to come back to over and over again. They're not going to be on the screen. But they're probably verses that some of you memorized as some of the very first verses in the whole Bible that you ever memorized. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Oh, how we need to live out verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then what does it say? And lean not on your own understanding. And lean not on your own understanding. Let me tell you, when the angel comes to Joseph and gives him this grand and glorious message that was beyond his understanding. I wonder if he was reciting Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because he trusted in the Lord with all his heart and did not, did not lean on his own understanding. Back to our main theme. The big idea for this message. Disciples, true disciples of Jesus, trust God even when they don't understand, 
even when things don't make sense. I think it is very likely this morning that some of you gathered here this morning are going through difficult times and hardships in your own life and you don't understand and it doesn't make sense to you. Maybe some of your agony, maybe some of your suffering is very private and personal. That's why we're here. We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We are here to encourage you. We are here to tell you again and again, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, and lean not on your own understanding. We're going to close in just a few minutes with the song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. I just love the title of that hymn. Brothers and sisters in Christ, many times in our lives, when we don't understand, when it doesn't make sense, we are going to be called to lean and lean hard on the everlasting arms. To find our answers not in understanding, but to find our answers in who he is. Always remember that disciples trust God even when they don't understand, even when things don't make sense. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Joseph and for his example. He is a disciple in action. We thank you for the faith that he exercised, the obedience that he exercised, even when he didn't understand, even when it didn't make sense. Oh Lord, help us to be like him. Help us. Help us in our confusion and in the midst of our questions to always trust you and to always obey. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.